John. Meryl Lee. Welcome to season two. (laughs) (laughs) You got a great media voice. Gosh. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, you know, it's life and, you know, whatever. (laughs) But in season two, maybe our listeners had a chance to catch up on season one. If you will. I know they will. I know. Yep. Um, how are you? Boy, have I got a lot. Oh, I'm great. <laughs> you got a lot? You I'm got wonderful. a lot to say? Well, I, yeah, but I mean, we can, I'm not going to say it all at once. That would be bad. It would be confusing because I wouldn't know what I'm talking about anyway. Mm. Um, but I'm, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've been reading, um, first of all, let's don't talk about me. Um, in season two. Season two is all about you. It is. Yeah, I'm just a placeholder here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keep going. Well, I mean, I've had some odd experiences the last few days, actually. But I've also been reading um, um, The Art of Happiness uh, by the Dalai Lama himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you keep coming up uh, in his book. How's that? Figuratively. Yeah. Well, because of happiness and because of um, various takes, the various social takes on happiness, whether it's a right or what are the sources of happiness and does it require training and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to talk over time. I like to talk about all those things, whether, you know, whether there's a right to happiness because it, um, happiness is not mentioned specifically in the, in the order of creation. You know, so are we destined to become un- to be unhappy until we are happy? Uh, all sorts of things. And you're about happiness. You're about love and happiness. Mm-hmm. So True happiness. I think we can we can talk about that at some point. Right. Uh, but right now, I'd rather talk about being having bullets come through my window over dinner. That sounds like more fun to me. Oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> Not very many people. I mean, I guess people that live in certain areas of the world get that opportunity. But um, we have friends who um, who bought a very nice home in a in an area that was being slowly gentrified by white people as the as the people of color moved out uh, as they were priced out of the market. Mm-hmm. White people moved in, which is sort of a real estate trend. It's a social trend in America. Mm-hmm. These guys are, are um, they occupied the house, uh, rebuilt it, did a very nice job, remodeled it and so forth. Uh, became familiar with the neighborhood uh, until they realized that, and, and then they realized after the fact um, that they were one block away from one of the highest crime areas in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, gosh. Which included gunplay. Oh, okay. Uh, they decided not to do anything about it other than just live in the neighborhood and become part of the system, become part of the people, become part of the culture. Until the owner of the house at various times, the, the owners, owner and owners in this case, found themselves diving on the floor as gunfire went off in the neighborhood. And they didn't want to get shot Mm -hmm. in their new house. Mm -hmm. Now, these people are white, and uh, they were part of the gentrification process. 
Um, so I, <laughs> so anyway, we're there. Um, there's six of us that go there for a, for a inaugural dinner of the new remodel. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's, it's all looks like the American dream until uh, the blue lights, the flashing lights, the sirens and the guns start going off. And, and um, so finally, at some point I asked the, the uh, owner, I said, um, doesn't gentrification sort of take care of this in terms of just raw crime? And he said, no, no, it doesn't. And I said, what's going on here? He said, well, he said, the, the people who used to live here moved away because they were priced out of the market. But the gangs come back hmm. where they used to fight for turf and reenact the turf fights all over again and kill one another in an area they don't even own anymore because they're so angry. Wow. So. Wow. Is there a solution to this? I don't know. I mean, what? <laughs> I'm going, wait, what? Right, right. Well, unfortunately, it's the lowest of low consciousness. You know, they just, the the entitlement, the ownership, you know, the <laughs> lack of understanding, you know, that there's there's another world that they could actually immerse themselves in. And they're just they're part of that system. So, okay, I get that. And I get that. That's what you're about. But um, I don't. So how do you reach them? Are they reachable? Are they reachable? I would say that. um, Yes. Yes. You have to say yes, because there's always going to be the exception to the rule. Okay, let's let's go back. Let's take that now. Let's go back to the Dalai Lama. Okay. Uh, where uh, he talks about whether or not we have a right to happiness. All okay. right. Mm-hmm. Is 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 happiness a right, or is it or is is it a source of rights? Is it a training process? What is happiness? Mm, well. It's a God-given right, and that's been taken over by, you know, the factions of control. And so no one's happy. <laughs> Everyone's struggling. So you what know. is God? I, I've heard the phrase God-given right a lot. Mm-hmm. God-given. You have a God-given this, the God-given that. What does God have to do with it anyway? Because when you arrive here, you shouldn't be enslaved the moment you get here. That's exactly what they do. They enslave you the moment you arrive. And um, from that, you know, that's literally the matrix. From that moment, you know, somebody signs a piece of paper to the best of their knowledge as to who you are. And from that identity that's created for you, it follows you your whole life. And that identity um, is separate from that, that child that arrived. But the child doesn't know any better because nobody's telling him otherwise. So your position, the right is God-given, and their position is the right is imbued by man. And right. Those, 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 are, those are in direct conflict. 
that were diametrically opposed to each other. Right. All right. So, so, yeah, right. so that's so the fight. What I say mm-hmm. is that the fight. Then that is that the is that the big fight. Yeah, it, between... it really is. Control. That's right. You know the the idea of everybody get in line, be a sheep, and you know get your card stamped, get in line, get your tray, keep going. You know, and uh, we're gonna give you a couple days off a week, and keep running the system and feeding us. And that's what, you know, if you're a child, you don't understand anything. You just arrived. You're just a bundle of love. And you're subject to the people around you and how educated they are and how they're going to raise you. And a lot of times, those people who brought you into this world have a lot of issues that they have not dealt with. And the child gets raised with that. And it just gets passed on and passed on and passed on. And in the meantime, because it's like this in a way that you're just tumbling in and you're having to operate in the system because the system says you're nothing unless you have these things and this will make you happy. And they keep putting the carrot in front of you saying, you know, you got to make a certain amount of money. You got to go out and buy your house. You've got to be better than everybody else. You know, there's healthy competition. Um, You know, it's just business. Let's just separate. It's like, no, no, all those concepts are wrong. You gotta rewind the tape. So, so then, do the people that are being abused have an obligation to be compassionate? Do you think to the people that are don't have the story yet and are shooting up the neighborhood? What what's their? How do they protect themselves, or do they? What do they do? No, they have to elevate. You elevate. Like out of the neighborhood. <laughs> Well, that too, you know, when you elevate, yeah, definitely. But I mean, when you (laughs) elevate your consciousness, literally you're, you, you remove yourself from that existence, whatever it may be. I mean, it doesn't have to be that dire. You don't have to be in a, you know, gang riddled neighborhood. It's just whatever your predicament is, whatever it is. If you want to go higher, you have to understand more. But what if your source of happiness isn't perception of, Elevation. What if it's uh, just getting a better house or something? How do you make that transition? That's fleeting. Ah, Once, yeah. Good. Oh <laughs> okay. my. Let me write that down. <laughs> One for Merrily. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm. I'm not going to call my bank today. I forgot. I'm going to change my mind. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. One you know, it's that's fleeting happiness, and that's why they say you know don't bake on happiness. You've got to look for joy. And it's like, okay, okay. But that's because happiness has not really been clearly defined. And we're just, you know, going to sweep it over to the joy side so that we really understand the depth of it. Oh, that's not true. Happiness is elation. Joy is not elation. Happiness is. And we want that in our life. We want to be elated. I want to be excited. I want to be enthusiastic. I want to be happy. Not so just... What is love fall in that matrix then? Is, this, is that love the overpowering thing or what? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. 100%. When you understand what love is, what the power of love is, you're happy every single day. So yeah, it... is there an undercurrent of joy? Absolutely. But there's elation involved. But, but elation is not necessarily acquiring more stuff. Oh no! Is it? No, no. Mm-mm. It's not that. It's a power. 
it's it's knowing the answer. But what if you? Okay, but if you if you've been if you've been gentrified out of your neighborhood, and you can't acquire what you had before, and you're living in poverty and whatever whatever, what's your incentive? What's your incentive? You've yeah. got a life to live. It's not over. Okay, okay. What's right? your incentive to be happy? I mean, what what do you do? What what do I do if I'm living in the back of my truck? It's on your head. Your happiness literally lives in your head. It doesn't matter where your where your position is right now in this current moment. It doesn't matter. You have to not really see that. You have to see truth and truth is love if you can't identify love and understand what it is you're going to remain in that truck and you will not be happy <laughs> well I, it seems to me that in your context identifying it becomes knowing the source well uh, you do have to know the source but so okay my tagline is right love is always the answer if it's always the answer always the answer then it's very important that we understand what love is because no matter what our dilemma is, whatever our problem, concern, whatever we're fretting over, love is the answer. You just don't know how to apply it. It's the is, same is, tool. Is love innate or is it, or is it active? Uh, it's active. It's not. Um, is it innate? Is that what you asked me? Yeah. We are love. But because it's buried under this you know, vessel that we're carrying around. And all of our experiences that we hold that we think are true and, you know, our pain, then that it's so deep down that we're out of touch. So it's the thing you have at the bottom of the bag you can't reach, but you know you've got it or somebody. Knows right. You, got it. you know, it's there, but you don't know how to access it. And, you know, as above, so below, whatever is in your head, that's your crown. That's where you're going to find your feet. So, you know, so if you're boohoo and my circumstances are terrible, but you don't understand my life and you haven't been through what I've been through and, but you don't have family like I have and you don't, it just, okay. Okay. Maybe I don't, but that should stop you from thinking the way I do. Your, your excuses and your, you know, so-called experiences and all this other stuff, this, this reality is what's holding you down. Most of the time, that, that whatever's holding them down is not happening in the moment. You're still talking about the pain that somebody else, you know, broke your heart or ripped you off, betrayed you, whatever. You lost the job. You're still talking about it. It didn't happen today. You got to let it go. You think being safe has anything to do with happy? Safe? Mm-hmm. Do you need to feel safe to be happy? That's a complex question. When it comes to people, we need to feel safe to be happy. When we're talking about an individual, my life here on earth, my safety is literally all hanging in the balance of God. Understanding what that is, you can fly like a bird and not worry about it. You don't need a safety net. You've already got one. Is that the give it up, give it, give it to God thing that well, okay, Christians so when, talk about? No, when you let go and let God, 
I'm going to understand what that means. So I'm going to let it go. When I let God, I'm going to let love. So that means that if there's a problem in my life, let's say it's somebody who's creating a problem in my life, right? There's a way to overcome that through virtue. But if I can't do that right now, because there's no opportunity, but it's really eating at me. Okay. But I'm not talking to this person right now. And, you know, it's not happening now. Then I can choose to apply love in other directions. I can love myself. I can do the things I love to do. I can go out and volunteer. I can go, you know, smile and say good morning to somebody. I can buy somebody a coffee. I can do whatever I want. It's just fully open to love. Hmm. Yeah, but um, it wouldn't shifting perspective be kind of a cop out. I mean, you're you're addressing the problem by changing yourself. That's what you're saying. Change yourself, huh? Always, you've got to change the vibration. The vibration. Yeah, is but, but, yeah but if you're always shifting pr- perspective, I mean, what you're just always dodging the issue. No, not at all. It's like having a conversation and look away when you don't want to talk anymore. What? Come on. Okay. No. Okay, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Because that one right there. (laughs) That's complex as well. Because what you're referring to is game over. You know, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Okay. Okay. Well, that's legitimate. There's a legitimate reason for that. And you're not dodging anything. You're not ghosting anybody. There's a legitimate reason. And... You know, until you really understand that, then it's, you know, you're dodging, putting your head in the sand and you're ghosting, whatever. You have to have a clear understanding of what it means. Game over. And that is a lack of, I mean, a loss of trust. Can it just be aggravation? Doesn't have to be trust. No, it has to be trust, not aggravation. Because aggravation comes from the ego. You know, we get offended very easily. We feel that people don't understand us. You know, we're misunderstood. Poor pitiful me. You know, I feel sorry for myself. All of these things are not valid. So you, so can't, you what, can't just be aggravated. Yeah. So what is the validity then of of declaring game over? Where's the validity there? Betrayal. The trail of the relationship? Yeah, it's just betrayal. There's... um. Okay, so game over happens very quickly. Now, okay, so we have to really talk game talk now if we're going to understand that. So it's me and my player. Well, let's just say this player comes into view, sits down, right? It's like we meet at a party. Hello, how are you? My name's Marilyn. Well, that person is going to tell you who they are immediately. And, you know, the better you get at the game, the sooner you can identify your player. So for me... I mean, I know immediately I can't trust you. <laughs> can't trust you. Can't trust you. It's all in the book. You know, as to why I can't trust you. Because I know you're going to hurt me. Eventually you will hurt me. And I don't have time for that. So I'm moving on. So I'll be cordial. I'll re- be respectable. You know, but I don't trust you. So it's game over. So now that there's a different player, a different player comes along and just, and you're getting along very well. Very splendid. Ideally, when you start to understand how to play, you never, ever want that player to lose their king. You're hoping that they don't, but you have nothing to do with it because they are playing on their own and you have to allow that to happen. And the misconception is that in order to make 
relationships work. I have to inform you of all the things that you're doing wrong so that you understand and we come to terms that you're not to do this anymore. Do you understand? This is false. False thinking. It never works. It never has worked and it won't. Okay? Unless, with one exception, somebody has elevated their consciousness to understand the method of communication to say, okay, I acknowledge what you're saying. I accept it and it's done. I won't do that anymore. For example, my son, my son says to me, we sit down and I said, um, like a woman does, I look at him and I go, what are you thinking about? He looks at me and he goes, mom, I hate that question. (laughs) (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like most men, I would think, you know. (laughs) And I just looked at him and I said, noted. (laughs) And I walked away. (laughs) You know, and and I understand what he's saying. So I won't ask him anymore. I just won't. If he has something to say, something's on his mind, I have to trust that he's going to tell me. Otherwise, I don't need to know. Because I have that that ability. I have that understanding. And I suppose you have to sort of modify your position as as your children grow older because they'll, their positions will change and you have to change with them, I guess. A little bit. No, that's the beauty. Well, okay, okay. Let's, let's say it is an ebb and flow in the relationship. However, your character is true. You never change that. Never. So even though circumstances change and they grow and they like things, they don't like things and they claim things and they get rid of things. It's like, that's the ebb and flow of life. But when you come to me, I'm going to be the same person that you've always known me to be. I am that rock. Yes. And that certainly works in principle. Uh, does it work every time? In fact, I said su- no, uh, because people are flawed, I'd imagine. Um, seems to me that there's all sorts of ways you could set yourself up to be an ongoing victim by by um, being too arbitrary. Um, you'd be like victimizing what? yourself. Um, I'm I'm thinking out loud which is a common fault that I have. Um, What's arbitrary? Well, if you're, if, well, you're, you're using this, uh, a basis, you're calling yourself consistent. Okay. In this circumstance. Okay. That's right. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't believe that the consistency in that circumstance can be applied um, bilaterally indefinitely. It seems to me like you're taking a unilateral position in your conversation with your son, for example. Now, I'm, I'm just hypothecating here. I'm not telling you what to do or not to do, or I'm not declaring. I'm just coming up with ideas to, to swim around in this conversation. <laughs> to confuse the whole thing. <laughs> I'm trying to give clarity here, John. <laughs> no. But, uh, but you know, I, you know me too well. You know me way too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's simple it, it no here's, here's the thing no, about that though no, no she says she talks just no no no, <laughs> no. 
And the reason I say that is because, you know, people will love you for your character, will love you for your integrity, love you because you're so honorable. And then say, wait, what? When they use those same virtues about things that they don't want you to. Mm-hmm. They expect you to make an exception. To That's lower the, the bar. Right there. That's yep. the flaw. That's the yep. flaw right there. And when I don't do that, I don't do that. I'm not That's painful. Go that is really painful. It is. It is. Very hard. I mean, that's almost a form of self-abuse. For who? Huh. Well, for you, for the person. No. Okay, that's a great point. Okay. So in that moment that I have to maintain my king on the board, you know, I have to maintain my integrity, regardless of whatever it is that my player did. It is extremely painful for me to have to walk away and walk away and walk away because they continue to lose their king. And what I'm saying is these are different people. I'm walking away because the standard is not there and I have to maintain it. So, yeah, is it hurtful? Is it disappointing? Absolutely. But I, but I, I also know the alternative. If I make an allowance and excuses for my player, I'm self-sacrificing because I was warned. And so what's going to happen later is going to be even worse. It's going to be even harder. And that's where serious pain comes in and regret and kicking yourself going, I knew it. I saw all the signs. There was all these flags and I just ignored them and I don't know why. This is why the game gives us clarity. You can't Uh, see it. Reaching for my copy of the game here. Um, Obviously, I don't know it as well as I thought. Um, Oh, it's complex. Yeah. Simple. Just not easy. You used the phrase in the book, walking through the fire. Yes. Um, In part 11, I think, of Points to Remember, as I recall, here as I'm looking... I've used the phrase walking through the fire before, too, and how you walk through the fire is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like, um, so is that, is that a good metaphor, walking through the fire? Absolutely, it is. Mm-hmm. That's what we're discussing here. I mean, is that you have to be able to walk through the fire that you're essentially building under your own feet? No. Uh, it means that there's there's a challenge in front of you and you're going to have to meet it head on and walk through it. Okay. You don't avoid it. You don't go around it. You don't stick your head in the sand. You're going to have to go through it. But does the whole thing become kind of hollow if you're not willing to open yourself up to this person? If you're, if you're, you're being strategic instead of honest. Nobody's Nobody's being strategic. This is not strategy. This is love. This is love. This is this is the height of honesty. Yeah, but you're using it as a strategy, aren't you? Walking through the fire? No, love. Don't you shoot it like a gun? Love? Absolutely not. You, it's, it's, it's no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Another no. John is doing good. <laughs> you don't shoot it like a gun. You are love. <laughs> 
no, I'm the guardian at the gate. Okay. I'm the protector. And so in being love, right, I'm the watcher and I, I maintain the gate. I maintain the standard. And so in doing that, I don't know if you're understanding the metaphor, but in doing that, there's no gun. I'm just not going to let my player shoot the gun and stay on the way and allow those bullets to hit. So, um, you make a, you 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 have another phrase called the drama bag of circumstance. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that one. The drama bag of circumstance. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I was like hanging it on my door. The drama <laughs> bag of circumstance. <laughs> All right. Yep. So if you're so if you're in a situation where it's the drama bag of circumstance, um, and what's your position is you don't have an obligation to try and somehow diffuse that do you huh you just okay it's... let me explain it so you know i have to send you the video i actually did a video of the drama bag <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know and so this is when your player comes and they want to share all their drama that's going on in their life and they extrapolate on the stories and give you details you don't need and you know and i and i explain it like you know imagine this carpet bag and they just keep pulling out the lamp and they're pulling out all this stuff and you and you're like you know you're attentive and you're thinking okay when are you going to get to the point where i can solve your problem because clearly you have one they don't want their problem solved they just want you to know what's in their bag good (laughs) right and you have to recognize that and just listen and go okay you know however much time you want to give to it and then just know that it's not your job to solve it do you have a job to be i mean so how about compassion how do you throw around compassion then oh it's it's just sad to be you literally when you when you understand the components of the human you know psyche and how we operate and how mechanical we are and how damaged and all this other stuff you can recognize your player and go gosh dang you know compassion comes in because like they don't know any better they don't know they have a drama bag but isn't that condescending isn't that condescending no, it changes your behavior toward them. Instead of getting angry because you can't control them because they're not taking your advice on how to solve their problems. Compassion kicks in and allows you to listen. And that's all I need you to do. Are you an editorial advisor to the Dalai Lama? <laughs> <laughs> just, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. What else is in that book? (laughs) That's funny. Hmm. It's it's so fun. Life is so fun. It's fun when you're you're on top of your game like you are. It's obviously Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has got... They haven't elevated themselves to that level, obviously. Mm. (sighs) It's it's definitely a, um, a commitment. You know, and you have to face your fears and you don't understand that you have fears. You just don't understand until the game tells you you can't do this. 
And it's like, well, what do you mean I can't do that? Well, what do you mean I can't defend myself? What do you mean I can't tell them that what they did was wrong and how they hurt me? What do you mean? Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because if you do all that, you're stacking yourself up with in a in a hollow bag, aren't you? Because you're really not doing anything and you're you're not helping yourself at all. You're just what jumping you're, into your own drama bag. What you're doing is when you're you know, exhausting yourself trying to tell your partner, look, these are all the things that you're doing and it hurts my feelings. I don't like it. And can you please not do it? And what you're doing is setting up an expectation. And an expectation is a rule. You can't do that. And the expectation is your own because you literally think because you are communicating in the best way that you know how to this person, I don't like this. Please put the toilet seat down. I don't like it. All they do is roll their eyes and go, yeah, what? What are you going to do, divorce me? Yeah, right. Nag, nag, nag. Well, I mean, there's a point. I mean, sitting on a toilet seat that's up in the middle of the night is not a pleasant circumstance. No, it's have not. have a light on. But... The what are you going to do, divorce me thing, uh, that relationship is already dead. Exactly. It was gone a long time ago. It was gone a long time ago. And this is what I mean by, you know, people hang on. It was over a long time ago. And you're still in it. You just don't realize it. You know, before you call it quits. Whatever time the people are in their relationship, you know, however many decades or whatever. It was 30 years, 15 years ago it was over. But isn't isn't there a point? I mean, there's tens of millions of stories of people who who go through very difficult times, stay together, and somehow in the end, it's a dramatic, wonderful, historic love affair. Or or was it just stupid? Um, Well, I mean, it's, it's so vague, you know, we hear these stories. You know, like people landing on the moon, we hear these stories and we tend to believe that somebody out there is, has made it. Okay, that's fine. But the reality is we're not living in that household. We have no idea what they went through or how they're, how they're doing. I don't know. You know, I'm not saying that nobody's happy, but, but there are plenty of people who, for the sake of reputation, will set aside, you know, their, how they feel what they go through, the abuse, the loneliness, all of it. Because number one, they have nowhere else to go. They don't know how they would handle it, you know, how they would live financially and, you know, how they would just, you know, try something different that they don't know that's foreign. So they just are comfortable living with what they have. And so now we can say we've been married 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. It's like, yeah, right. You know how many people I've seen like that who are <laughs> not happy? It's like if you were happy, you wouldn't do be, be you know, screwing around. But if there's, well, I mean, if there's, if there's, if there's fidelity in the relationship, even if it's unhappy and it's been together for 50 years and so mm-hmm. on, um, or even occasional infidelity for that matter. There's a there's a um, there's a cohesiveness there that 
I think kind of transcends your position, don't you think, a little bit? Don't those people kind of support no. one another in a way that makes sense? No. Culturally? No, it's complacency. You just know that it's like, where else are we going to go? Aren't you being too tough on these people? No. I mean, everybody's going to get a divorce after they read your book. Yeah, but they'll be happier no. for it. Oh, God. <laughs> your position is always so abrupt. No, boom. <laughs> <laughs> because I know what's on the other side. If they had the courage to face their fears, have the courage. It's one of two things. Either you're going to apply the game to your marriage, both of you, and commit to it and fix it, or you're not. And you're so fix it. To... So there's a fix available here, right? Well, here. Okay. So here's the thing. When you've been married for any period of time and the respect is gone, right? And let's say I come in to, to try to help the situation. You know how hard it is for these two people to change their behavior, the way they think they know their partner, um, all of the entitlement they think they have, the blame. It's so hard to overcome all that and stick to the game. They're going to, like a rubber band, they're going to snap right back and start saying, yeah, but why do I have to be the bigger person? Why do I have to not blame? Why He's the one still doing all this stuff, you know, and it goes back and forth and nothing changes. It's so difficult. This is why it's so important to walk away from the table. You've got to call game over. That person goes to the back of the line. And if the universe says, okay, I'm going to bring him back to the fold, then you start over again. But you must walk away. The game will so, never change. It, it, you so can never put the king back. You, you just implied that the universe is conscious. Do you believe that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's consciousness. And that's what we're, we're trying to attain. <laughs> So consciousness in the in the hard problem consciousness then in your in your uh, context is existence. Mm-hmm. Okay, existence is love. Okay, so existence is love. So love is consciousness in its yes, purest form. That's the yep. That's our creator. And that is God in your context then. That's love right. Is God is love. Well, the Bible says that. I didn't write that. Well, I'm just trying to. All this, this, uh, yeah, but I didn't come up with it. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying, <laughs> well, I'm going to give you credit for whatever I say. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, well, well so I'm say, I mean, it's so, so what happens to random selection then in the scientific context if, if everything is a thought process, if, if God is love and love is God and consciousness, so on, is the whole other. 50% of the entire thought process is random selection, is, is mechanism. And you're, not, you're just through mechanism under the bus completely. Okay, so what I understand with that is that it is, it is our nature. We are love. It's what we are. But, you know, the years and years and years of abuse and... Um, lack of education and stuff, you know, we're trying to survive now. We're in survival mode. So this random selection that you're talking about, it's like th these aren't random. It's the light in us trying to touch the light that's without us, you know, beyond the physical. And when these things happen, it's coincidence. It seems to be random. 
It's not. You did something in that moment. There was something. And you can't connect the two. There's, there's no education there to tell you how to do it. How do I get out? Do you think then that you exist in all, in all formats, past, present, future? Do you exist in all of those at the same time? You know, I, I, I don't know. I would have to think about that one for a moment. But my concern is the moment, this, this moment right now. So whether I, you know, lived in the past or I'm, I've always been here or whatever the theory is, it's a theory or a belief, but I can't prove it. But I can prove this moment. I can prove in this moment that love will overcome whatever the adversity is. Yeah, but your proof that you're basing your proof on is simply nothing more than, than uh, whatever the, the, uh, the, uh, the matter is in the Ethernet. Well, I mean, you're, a... using, you're using what's always there all the time, infinity. Using, you're using in material in infinity to prove your moment. And it's been there. It's never not been there. No, it's never not been there. I just defined it. I defined what that is that's out there. So is your brain a kind of a tuner where you, you access stuff and you you give it, you make it a whole cloth moment to moment? Is that what's going on? Well, that... So are we... Are, yeah. Oh, okay, so I think that that starts to happen as you elevate. You know, you become more intuitive and more in tune with your surroundings, what's going on, and you just follow your intuition. And you don't worry about anything because you know you're safe because the universe is always working in your favor. There is no opposite side. But in the beginning, when you're first learning all this stuff, it's very difficult because you got to train your mind. Oh. Oh. Okay. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, <laughs> well is that I mean, your version you... of no? <laughs> <laughs> Well, sort of. <laughs> okay. Tell it's me. like, ooh. Well, on, the, on the no opposite side business, I mean, what happened to yin and yang? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. So, remember, we talked about yin and yang before. You know, there there has to be one of, of each, right? But Yes, yes. No. Mm-mm. That isn't that a guarantee of an opposite side? Why? I mean, I think that the the reason there's an opposite side is so that we understand the side, what there can be, what there is, the the truth of it. So it's always doing that is supporting. So all evil does is support good. Yeah. So so it's easier to understand. There there is no evil. The evil is is in us. There, the evil is is the wolf that we feed. It's in us. So it's if, like wolves, come up with another animal. Well, you know, I'm, I, you know that story. Know. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's it, within each of us, there's an element of light and darkness. That's our free will. God said, I'm going to give you free will. You can choose to stay with me or go on your own and be all smart in the world. <laughs> know everything. So you see, but, but that's you know, like the beast is always there. And if you feed the beast, he arises. But you know, maybe the beast isn't there at all. Maybe, maybe 
Maybe the whole thing is a confabulation of all your options. And there and there isn't any of this stuff. It's random selection. Okay, define define random selection so we understand. Well, well, for my context, random selection is more is more about biology. The things grow uh, based on based on environmental impact, uh, and not about anything that has to do with the consciousness or theorism of God or anything else. It's just all environmental impact. We get we we started that way. The Earth we grew that way. That's how the weather works. Everything in the universe and the known universe is environmental impact. That's it's reaction. It's all just reaction. No, no, Mm-mm. no. Because there's because there's no source. Well, who needs a source anyway? I mean, because what? the source is so powerful. It's so powerful. You got to tap into it. It's real. You're not tapping into the moss on the ground. You're tapping yeah, into nobody, the source. Who? I mean, this first cause business. Who's come up with first cause? Because I mean, anybody bring that? Can anybody have a picture of first cause I can look at? Well, here's the thing. First cause almost sounds like then there was number two, number three, number four. No, it just is. Oh, that's first handy. First cause is is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, right. That's called plausible denial. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. If I am first cause, all right, that means that I'm the artist. I'm the creator. I'm the one with the pen in my hand or the paintbrush, and I'm I am creating on the canvas. That's what the world is. The world, the universe. You mean the universe? All of it. Oh, okay. Existence. All of okay. It. So okay. So so. So it really is a mess, isn't it? Everything is together at the same time doing everything. But 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 here's the thing. It's all good. The it's idea, a good mess. Well, the mess part of it, the darkness of it, the you know, all of that stuff. What I'm saying is you can step into the light where it's nothing but good. Literally. Step into the light. Get out of the darkness. Okay, so is, mm-hmm. if I drop a glass quart of milk on the kitchen floor, yeah, I look down at that and I walk into the dining room and say, everything is good. I love this. I'm fine now. No, what you're going to no. Nobody cries over spilt milk. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your flaw. <laughs> That's part of your drama bag. <laughs> you, you know, you, you just, it's not necessary. You just let it go. Shit happens all but the time. I gotta, so clean up, I gotta clean up the floor. Yeah. Don't I? Yeah. Isn't that part of going back in and kind of, you know, making your position clear on the floor? I want you not so messy. No, you can, you have the option in that moment when you spill the milk, you can look at it and laugh and just say, well, I guess I wasn't meant to have that milk and walk away, walk away. Who cares? Walk away, sit down, take a break. That milk's not going anywhere. And then when you feel better, you're going to go back and say, well, I win because you know, you're not going anywhere until I say so.
It's okay. not a problem. It's not a problem. None of it is a problem. So that's a, that's a, that's a, a story example of um, how to control the evil side of good and evil. Is you, is you uh, step away from it, and re- you rethink it, and then you go back in and. Well, yeah, but it's perspective in the moment. Remember, before you walked away, you had to have a perspective about it. If you were so angry about it and you had to take a breath, okay, that's different. But, you know, there's the, well, that happened. For example, like one time Peter and I are in the kitchen and, you know, he likes to blend his coffee in the blender. Well, it was on high and he didn't put the lid on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He turned the thing on and all my hot coffee everywhere, all the ceiling, everywhere. And I just looked at him and started laughing. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God, I don't need this right now. And um, he just walked away. And <laughs> I just laughed. And he walked away because he was so pissed off. He had to make coffee all over again. And to me, I'm like, it's not a big deal. And so I just cleaned it up and um, he came back and he made coffee and went about his day. So what? It's, it's so nothing. Is your environment always that healthy? Yes. It is always that healthy, John. (sighs) Yep. (laughs) I'm the navigator. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm the one behind the uh the wheel here and people follow my lead and they are really good really really good at it that's what i was telling you before it's like nobody fights in my family i mean you know with on my kids no they don't fight (laughs) they don't disrespect each other they don't call each other names they don't demean each other they don't do anything like that especially because my boys you know they're all older so they look at my daughter, she's 22, like, eh, she's 22, mom. You know? Well, yeah, there's a certain amount of maturity that's happening amongst everyone as they grow mm-hmm. up. So their mistakes will be made. Right. But, but uh, you, apparently you uh, have an automatic accommodation for that, which is uh, good. No, my really? kids, they, they just don't argue. It's just love. So what happens to your tent if all of a sudden the family breaks into an argument? That's what I'm saying. We don't. What if you do? What if? (laughs) (laughs) That's the point. I mean, we have family meetings where we've had to sit down. Okay, everybody sit down and, you know, tell us your thoughts. What's going on here? And, you know... People, we've all unloaded how we feel and the perspective that we have and understood each other and listened. And, um, you know, at the end, you just hug each other and say, I love you. How often do you have those? Uh, Less now because everybody is, you know, in their own place. But when we were under one roof, you know, we would have it quite often. You know, you'd feel the tension, especially during COVID. It was like, okay, we need to sit down and have a family meeting. And just start talking. Is that mandatory? If somebody calls for a meeting, everybody has to show up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we all just sit down. And and it's not even, nobody says, oh, God. No, nobody. It's like, all right, let's sit down. Let's talk. So um, Peter blends the coffee, forgets the top, gets mad, picks up the thing and throws it at the wall, 
Uh, <laughs> no, kicks, he didn't. <laughs> kicks, kicks the door open and leaves. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a foot mark. The door is now it's a holocore door with a foot through it practically. Okay. Uh, and you've got a broken. You got a thing, a scar in the wall, coffee all over the place, and you are just plain dumbstruck as he walks away. Okay. All right. How do you get that back? Call a family meeting? What do you do? I don't know. I'll just stand there and just watch what happened. <laughs> pick, pick, up his, pick up his keys to the house. They don't come back. <laughs> no. no. I mean, none of my kids act like that at all. <laughs> none of them. So, uh, yeah, that just wouldn't happen. But, I mean, if it did happen, let's just say it did. Yeah. That's, that's I all hypothetical. Just, I would just be like, okay. I mean, so what? We fixed the door. I mean, oh my gosh, my youngest son. Hmm. For a minute there, he, he's the one that really tests me because he bought a bow and arrow. Okay. And... Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, you know. And he buys one of those big bags that you can shoot the bow and arrow into. And I'm like, Ben, this is so dangerous, babe. Don't, don't do this. Please don't do this. You don't know where that arrow's going to go. And um, anyway, he decides that he's going to practice inside his bedroom. And I mean, it's not a big room. So he shoots the bow and it hits the window. And now mm-hmm. the whole window is, you know, wasted. And I'm like, yeah, you know, mm. yeah, yeah. And you sit there and you, you just like, yeah, why do you do these things? Why? Yeah, I know. All right. What you do is you just, you just handle it, I think. I mean, you know, I get a phone call that my youngest son has just driven his car to the top of a ski run in the middle of the season. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. You know, I'm getting a call from the proprietor in the Forest Service. Mr. LaCasse, how do you plan to handle this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, gosh. Like, would you like to pay for the entire ski season? Oh. Um, so, so you handle it as a parent. Between parent and child, you handle it. Um, there well, has to be absolute trust that you're not going to harm them. Well, here's the thing. When they were it. little, okay, that's when you handle it. You don't, you don't start when they're older. You, you handle it when they're little. So when my two oldest boys, you know, would um, get mad at each other and want to start fighting and everything, they were little. They were like five. And uh, I would just make them both sit on the same little bench next to each other. And I say, you're not getting off of there until you make up and you hug each other. And they would sit there and sit there. They'd be mad. And they were just like, well, I don't want to sit here anymore. It's like, well, then you got to hug each other and say, I love you. And they do. And then they go off and play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're a, a textbook wonderful mother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, my, my kids, they would start fighting. I mean, my, my middles, Peter and Ben were the ones that would just get into it. And um, I would say, that's it that's enough the two of you need to go run up the whole block up there and then come right back down you're gonna do it right now now go and then they'd have to take off running and so then all that running just just burned them out 
<laughs> Did you do you come up with this stuff spontaneously? I do. You didn't read I a do. book about it? No? no? No, I didn't write a book about it. I didn't put that in there, but I'm, I mean, I might, you know. And then when they got older, when they got older, I told them they had to write essays. I said, I want you to do some research, any topic you want, research it, and then you're going to present it in front of us. And um, that's what they did. And their friends were like, man, you got the coolest mom ever. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. That is great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I got the coolest dad ever from uh, my neighborhood kids who I threw away the television set. Um, but that was a whole different idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, um, I mean, I'm not going to say, my kids will tell you other things. They'll, they'll say like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, because. Yeah, somehow you're never quite up to it, are you? Um I don't know. Are they are do children protect parents from themselves? Is that what they're trying to do? Is they don't want to be embarrassed by their parents' positioning, or something? Don't like know. don't embarrass me, mom, by being so gooey and wonderful that I don't have to. I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know afraid? about that, but you know, my kids will remember. You know how angry I got. Oh, because I. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're gonna get angry four kids, three boys doing whatever. Mm. But sometimes it's fun to learn from your kids. I mean, my oldest son, uh, we lived in a house where there was no upstairs bathroom and the boys all had bedrooms upstairs. And so are in a room, they're all in one room actually, but I had tape on the floor to yeah. designate where they could be. And my oldest son got the, uh, unfortunately I didn't think it through, but he got, he got the tape <laughs> room closest to the window yeah. And the boys didn't want to go downstairs and go to the bathroom, so they were peeing out the window. Mm-hmm. And uh, John, being industrious, sold access to the window. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> this kid has a this kid has a future. <laughs> yep. He is your son. <laughs> <laughs> he was paying attention. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh well. I don't know. I mean, being a, being a parent is just, it is the most important job you'll ever have. It is the biggest contribution you'll ever make to the world. And unfortunately, you know, parents, there's a sense of entitlement. You're going to do what I say. You're going to follow the rules. You're going to step in line. You're going to, you know, whatever. And a lot of times there's just, the love is missing. I see the, yeah. the pendulum swinging from that, but for a long time, you know, that's just the way it was. And it was like, you know, go to your room, go do your homework or, you know, go outside and play, get out of here. <laughs> well, there's, of course, there's, there's varying degrees of competence when it comes to being a parent in the first place. Um, so yeah. not everybody really is equipped mentally to be a parent. Right. And yet we think we are. For some reason, we're, we are. Anybody can do it because free. It's true my enough. Yeah, I, I can create. So this is my child. Nobody's gonna tell me how to raise it. I can do it myself. And then you know, next thing you know, you got people shooting in neighborhoods. Yeah, that's how we started. Our our, our hour is up in twenty four twenty five seconds. All right. Um. So. So much to say. It's a little time. I know. I know. Okay. Mm. Well. In any case, it's good to be back. I love you.
I love you too. So tomorrow, huh? Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.